Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Slayer Podcast. Today I have an insane story for you. Um, I say this all the time. I can't believe I'd never heard of this story. But seriously, guys, it's crazy. So before I get started, I just want to thank you so much for tuning into Storytime Slayer Podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira. And I just wanted to remind you guys about Storytime Slayer on Facebook and Story underscore Time underscore Slayer on Instagram. I will for sure be posting photos, videos, and any information pertaining to this case onto both of those social media platforms. So go say hi, give it a like, a follow, and check out all these people that I'm about to talk about. Also, um, if you wouldn't mind leaving me an awesome review on Apple Podcasts, I've been seeing them. I've been seeing a couple really good reviews. Thank you so much. Now let's jump in. I got a lot to say. So David Brown was 32 when he called 911 on March 19th in 1985. He was calling to report that he thought his wife, Linda Brown, had been shot, but he wasn't sure because he could not bear to go back and look in his own bedroom. It was 3.30 in the morning when officers arrived to the call at 12551 Ocean Breeze Drive in Orange County, California. Okay, so I looked this house up on Google Maps. This is a fairly nice neighborhood. I looked up the address on the like Google Street View, and it's got really well-maintained homes, manicured lawns. I would say it's a upper-middle-class neighborhood, three-bed, three-bath, 2,000-square-foot home. It now... It now currently Zillow appraises for around a million dollars. So officers said it was relatively quiet when they arrived on scene. Um, That was pretty unusual. And when they entered their residence, that is where they found David, who was totally distraught. That's the man who had called 911. He was obviously crying a lot. And next to him was a young woman holding a baby. And both her and the baby were completely hysterical crying, just bawling. The young woman was 17-year-old Patty Bailey, and she was the victim's sister and had lived with David and her sister Linda since she was 11. In her arms, the baby that I said was crying is David and Linda's seventh-month-old daughter, Crystal. So David told the officers when they arrived that he thought his wife was maybe shot, but he hadn't checked on her He checked everywhere else in the house but his master bedroom and he said it's because he had an incredibly weak stomach and couldn't bear to look at the sight of blood, okay, which is so crazy to me. Like you can't even see if she's alive or dead or needs assistance. Officers made their way into David and Linda's bedroom where they found 23-year-old Linda lying on her back on top of her bed with wet fresh blood still covering her chest the officer thought maybe she was still alive because she was making a gurgling noise however she ultimately had no pulse and no air passing through her lungs they believe she was actually experiencing what's known as the death rattle and that is what happens when you die and you're no longer able to swallow or cough fluid will build up in the back of your throat and upper airways and the fluid causes a rattling sound like because air is passing through these fluids that are just kind of like built up right there and sometimes it's mistaken for people gasping for air so that's kind of what was going on with Linda so Linda's body was covered from the waist down the blanket was smooth and flat indicating there was no struggle Um, it looked like she'd actually been shot in her sleep because one arm was hanging down off the bed and the other arm was tucked under her head still 
So she was transported via ambulance to Fountain Valley Hospital, but she was ultimately pronounced dead at 426 in the morning. Next to the bed where Linda was found was a revolver, and it was later determined that it was the gun used in the shooting Linda, and it was really easy to figure that out. So let me give you guys a rundown of who all is living at the Brown residence. The 911 caller was 32-year-old David Brown, who seriously looked like he could be 45. Jesus, like, get the man some moisturizer. And David was married to 23-year-old Linda Bailey Brown. Patty Bailey was living at the house, and that was Linda's 16-year-old sister. However, she'd lived with David and Linda since she was 11 or 12 years old. Cinnamon was David's biological daughter from a previous marriage, and yes, her name is Cinnamon. Okay. She was 14 at the time this crime took place. And lastly was Crystal. So baby Crystal was David and Linda's seventh month old infant. So police are like, okay, okay, okay. Like what's, what's up? Who was here during the shooting? What's going on? And David slash Patty explained the events leading up to the shooting and what kind of happened that they know of. Earlier, David's parents had come over to play Uno. They had originally were supposed to go on like a hiking thing in the desert, but it rained. So they ended up staying back at David and Linda's house and just like playing Uno, having dinner, hanging out. They were there till about 9 p.m. And around the time they left, Cinnamon had gotten into her pajamas and David just assumed like she was about to go to bed. Him and Linda retired to their bedroom. They had an argument It stemmed from a disagreement Linda had with her mother-in-law earlier that night, and it was about whether she should let baby Crystal self-soothe or not. David and his mom did not like to let the baby cry herself, like, until she calmed down or went to sleep, and Linda thought that sometimes they should because, I mean, apparently Crystal cried a lot. So then they have an argument about it, but they ultimately make up, have sex, and go to bed. Patty says, meanwhile, that her and Cinnamon didn't go straight to bed. According to Patty, her and Cinnamon watched MTV in the living room until around 11.45. Whenever Patty got up to go to bed, Cinnamon stopped her and she asks if Patty would teach her how to use a small gray handgun that she had gotten out of a drawer for protection. And Patty gave a very vague instruction to Cinnamon on how you do it. She's like, Oh, I don't know. I haven't done it myself, but I think you just like cock that thing back and then you can just like pull the trigger. Um, Patty just casually was like, okay, well, good night, Cinnamon. After she got done showing her how to use a gun, uh, not alarmed at all by the situation, Patty claimed that she wasn't concerned at all that Cinnamon brought her a handgun, even though Cinnamon was only 14, because Cinnamon would sometimes stay in the travel trailer that they had in their backyard because her and Patty actually shared a room and so sometimes just like to have her own space or because she didn't want to be in Patty's room she would go sleep out there and the trailer was not alarmed like it wasn't set up to the home security system so maybe that's why she wanted again that's that's what Patty says that's what she claims so David being a longtime sufferer of insomnia says he woke up and could not sleep due to the fight him and Linda had So he eventually just gets out of bed, gets dressed, and he drives to their local Circle K. Um, It's like a gas station. So he goes in and he buys an apple pie, a Dr. Pepper, and four comic books. Then he decides to drive to the beach so he can have some time to reflect. 
He ends up stopping at a Denny's near Newport Beach to use the restroom, and he actually recalls seeing a waitress with curly red hair and glasses. So he for sure has created himself an alibi. Um, All in all, he was gone from the house for about an hour, and when he got home, he was greeted by Patty and Crystal, who were crying inconsolably, and Patty was telling David that Cinnamon tried to kill her. Now, according to Patty, remember, she had shown Cinnamon how to use the gun at about 15 till midnight, and then she goes straight to bed and is woken up by a really loud echo. It was a gunshot going off in her bedroom, and then Patty saw Cinnamon standing next to her bed before Cinnamon ran off into the hallway. Patty said that she checked the time, and it was exactly 2.23. A moment later, Patty hears Crystal crying, that's the baby, and two more gunshots go off. Um, In a panic, Patty just goes and darts and grabs the baby and runs straight back to her bedroom. She was really, really scared until she heard someone at the front door. And that is when she ran to the front door with baby Crystal and David got home and Patty greeted him in the hallway hysterical saying, Cinnamon tried to kill me. Not sure what to do, David checks the entire house, everywhere but the master bedroom, because if his wife is shot, he says that he can't stomach to look at her. Now, David tells Patty to go look for cinnamon in the backyard, which is bonkers to me because Patty has the baby and she just said cinnamon tried to shoot her, so very confusing. And while Patty's out looking for cinnamon, David calls his dad, He calls his dad, okay, because he doesn't know what to do. And his dad's like, dude, call 911. So David ultimately hangs up and calls 911. It's really bizarre to me that he even called his dad in the first place, but okay. Meanwhile, neither David nor Patty can find Cinnamon, and neither are willing to go and see Linda and offer her assistance. They just wait until police arrive. So now that officers are caught up to speed on what's going on, they determine that they need to find Cinnamon. They do a sweep on the whole house, canvas the neighborhood, and they ultimately find the 14-year-old girl in a doghouse in the backyard. Remember, they weren't sure if they were looking for Cinnamon because she was a vigilante or if she was a victim. When they find her in the doghouse in the backyard, though, she is lying in a pool of her own vomit. She has urinated all over herself, and in the pool of vomit are dozens of orange pill capsules partially dissolved, indicating that she'd overdosed on some drug. In her hand was a folded-up note with a ribbon tied around it that said, Dear God, forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt her. Medics on the scene talk to Cinnamon. They examine her. They ask her what she'd taken. She didn't quite know. Um, She'd taken three different types of pills from three different bottles at about 2.33 in the morning, and she was extremely sick. The police found the pill bottles in the home. They were empty and on top of the washing machine and the laundry room next to an empty glass. All of it was bagged for evidence. And those prescriptions were David's prescriptions. And two of them were for Darvacet, which is a painkiller. And one of them was for Diazide, which is a diuretic. Had the prescriptions all been full, that was 260 pills. If she hadn't began throwing up in the doghouse, she would have very likely died before police found her. Despite the fact that Sinman was extremely, extremely sick from a drug overdose, she was still transported to the jail to be detained for questioning. I repeat, 
She was not taken to the hospital. She was taken to jail. 7.38 that same morning, she was giving a change of clothes before being questioned by investigators at 8 a.m. Cinnamon was totally aware of why she was there. She said herself that she was at the police station because she shot Linda. And when police told her Linda died, she seemed extremely shocked. Cinnamon gives a full confession to shooting Linda, her motive being that Linda didn't like her and that there was a lot of tension in the house. By the way, Cinnamon is clearly, though, not in a stable, sound state of mind. Um, she's incredibly drowsy and very, very nauseous. When Cinnamon tries to describe the tension between herself and Linda leading up to the shooting, she starts floating in and out of consciousness, and she even murmurs, don't let them get away with murder. While floating in and out of consciousness, Cinnamon tells police that she found the gun in her dad's office drawer and it was for anyone to use in an emergency and that she did fire one round in Patty's room by accident, but she did intentionally shoot Linda twice. As the interview progressed at about 8.40 a.m., Cinnamon's condition had completely changed. She wasn't just tired from the events leading up to her interview. Um, she was unable to speak beyond a murmur. Her head was rolling back. Her eyes were rolling into her head and couldn't focus. Something was very wrong. Um, when her vitals were checked, they were not right. They were really low, and she was immediately transported to the hospital where she was treated for a drug overdose. Oh, it was a really awful treatment, so she's given medication to induce vomiting, and she just keeps getting sick and sick and sick. Oh, it's so bad. Cinnamon stabilizes and she's transferred to the UC Medical Center and a judge officially deemed her incarcerated to the Orange County Juvenile Hall. She was being charged as a minor in the death of Linda Brown. So during her stay at the hospital, this means that she had a guard with her 24-7 and after a couple days when she was released, she was taken to Juvenile Hall. In the meantime, police peeped out the crime scene, spoke to family, friends, neighbors, classmates, and just kind of dug around to see what they could find out. Neighbors didn't really know the family because they hardly ever saw them. The Browns were known to really keep to themselves. A classmate described Cinnamon as being kind of weird and having invisible friends. But a girl named Krista was Cinnamon's BFF since kindergarten, and she said Cinnamon didn't seem weird or suicidal or angry at all leading up to this crime. Krista also said that Cinnamon got along with her stepmom, Linda, and her she was like a sister, Patty was. So the entire situation was really confusing to most people. They did not expect anything like this, especially out of Cinnamon. Other friends maintained that Cinnamon did not drink, use drugs. She did not display any anger or violence. They also said that Cinnamon was grounded a lot, though, and it seemed like David and Linda were kind of strict. But, I mean, the, this is kids, you know? Now, David, David, David. So, the version of events I told you, that's David and Patty's version of the crime. According to him, David says that he knew Cinnamon needed counseling, but she refused. And he said that Cinnamon was rebellious and stubborn, and she didn't get along with him, his wife, Patty, her school, or even her own mom, Brenda. And David painted a picture of Cinnamon that corroborated an angry, jealous girl that just shot her stepmom out of anger and cold blood. 
Then police talk to Patty. And now Patty was at the house when the murder take place. So what she says holds a lot of stock with investigators. So she gives them a play-by-play. And it's the same one that I gave you about the events. And what she had to say about Cinnamon leading up to the murder was the same as what David had to say. So apparently Cinnamon just developed a really shitty attitude towards everyone. And that was why the travel trailer was in the backyard because Linda would actually make Cinnamon stay out there sometimes. So a picture is definitely being painted. Cinnamon is being described as a really angry kid who got jealous of Linda and Patty, according to David and Patty. And during a fit of rage, she hears her dad leave and then goes on a killing spree. She shoots and misses Patty and then shoots and kills her stepmom. And then she writes a suicide note and takes a bunch of her dad's prescription pills before hiding in the doghouse in the backyard to die. Now, the police had everything. It was a pretty cut and dry case then, being that Cinnamon confessed to this exact scenario. They found substantial evidence to back everything up that she confessed to. And yet, the case just didn't feel right. But we'll come back to that. Meanwhile, David hires one of the best and most respected attorneys in Orange County to represent Cinnamon. And he was insistent that he did not want Cinnamon to go to jail. David, Patty, and baby Crystal go to stay with David's parents until they're ready to go live back at their house. But even when David and the girls do move back to their house, he would have his mother or friends come stay with them and help out with the baby all the time. It's like he did not want to be alone in the house that Linda died in. Supposedly, him and Patty would hear the sounds of crying in the house at night. Ooh. Okay, so a few things happen. Police go talk to Cinnamon's mom, Brenda, and Brenda says some really interesting things. So for one, Brenda says that Cinnamon did not seem to have a disdain for Linda and David, nor did she have like an abnormally shitty, bad attitude like Patty and David described. According to Brenda, David had already spoken to her and he actually asked Brenda to tell police that Cinnamon was incredibly suicidal, flaky, and just totally out of control. The assumption that Brenda was under was that David was doing this to help Cinnamon's court defense, which was going to be innocent by reason of insanity. David was making Cinnamon out to sound hostile and out of control. But, you know, when Brenda was speaking to the police, she just, uh, it just didn't seem right to her. So she just told the truth and she spilled it. And she said the truth was that Cinnamon was just a normal teenage girl And that there are other stranger things going on at David's house. So for one, Brenda always got the impression that Linda was a little bit afraid of David, which Brenda understood because she at one point was a little bit afraid of David. Plus, Cinnamon told her mom that David overheard Linda talking with Linda's own twin brother, so Linda's twin brother, Alan, about getting rid of David. And David told Cinnamon that Linda wanted to kill him and steal his company. And Cinnamon also told her mom that Linda was afraid David would leave her for her sister, Patty, and that she wanted Patty to move out. But dude, David refused to have Patty move out. Police had a lot to think about. Then Linda's twin brother, Alan himself, actually calls and wants to speak with investigators. So he said about a month leading up to Linda's murder, Cinnamon had just suddenly started treating Alan and Linda differently. 
She used to outwardly adore them and profess it. And then she suddenly built a wall between herself and them. And he said that Patty and Cinnamon had never been really close because Cinnamon was like really silly and like practical jokes. But Patty was like a no-nonsense kind of girl. And as far as Alan knew, Cinnamon was distant, but she wasn't like out of control or suicidal. And she didn't seem depressed like David and Patty had been describing her. According to Alan, he did also mention that Patty caused a lot of tension between Linda and David because of her crush on David. It was so obvious and she would literally flirt with David. Plus, I mean, the crush Patty had on David since childhood made Patty jealous of Linda as she got older. So like at first it was just like a little schoolgirl crush and now Patty's mad at Linda because Patty likes David. Another source of information was Linda's longtime good friend, Denise, and Denise had a bomb to drop. According to Denise, Linda and her had known for years, of course, about the little girl crush Patty had on David. It used to be cute and something they laughed about, and they were like, oh, you know, Patty will, of course, outgrow it someday when she starts liking boys her age. However, Patty never outgrew it. She became bolder and bolder about it. So in the summer of 1984, Linda confided in her friend Denise that she suspected David and Patty may be having an affair of some sorts. By the way, Patty would have been 16. So following the Patty situation, when it became so unbearable that Linda wanted to send Patty home, Linda then started to become super weird towards Denise like she started to talk to Denise less and less over the phone and was being really distant in fact Denise kind of got the vibe that maybe Linda was being listened to on the phone by David and that's why the phone calls had become so weird and just cold and awkward the distance started around the holidays in 1984 and don't forget the murder was just that following March of 1985 Denise said since Linda's death, Patty had actually totally taken over Linda's spot. She goes everywhere with David, and she even wears Linda's clothes and jewelry. Plus, the sisters bore such a resemblance to each other that it was literally like seeing a younger ghost of Linda. It was so weird and just uncomfortable that Patty was always with David. She was trying to be her sister. Police combed through all these interviews, plus a few others from some of Cinnamon's school officials and Linda's mom, and it seemed as though only Patty and David were describing Cinnamon as unruly and not liking Linda. Everybody else was kind of saying just a teenage girl having spent her life bouncing between her mom and her dad's house and sometimes exhibited very mild teenage rebellion Everybody but Patty and David expressed complete shock that it was Cinnamon who confessed to murdering Linda. But you know what? As weird as all of this is, Cinnamon confessed and has charges pending against her. Don't forget, she had a handwritten confession literally found in her hand when police found her. It was matched, verified, and said to be hers by her. She verbally confessed to taking a drug overdose, shooting Linda two times at close range, David's alibi was corroborated. They were able to pull surveillance of his late night trip and evidence that they found at the crime scene matched up with everything that David, Patty, and Cinnamon were saying. So police go talk to Cinnamon again, but this time they waited until she recovered from the hospital and was in juvie awaiting her trial. 
Now, when they spoke to Cinnamon this time, she maintained that she couldn't remember anything about the murder. Total amnesia. She did not deny killing Linda. She denied having any memory of March when Linda died. So crazy. So this whole situation was just really weird and not sitting right with anyone. But the wheels of justice must keep on turning. So August 7th, 1985, Cinnamon goes to trial and she's tried as a juvenile and she pleads not guilty by reason of insanity. The defense case was Cinnamon was so depressed that she didn't know the difference between right and wrong when the crime took place. It was a good defense. They had an expert corroborate the theory of Cinnamon's depression, causing her to not know the difference between right and wrong in that moment. And the original confession that Cinnamon gave to police before she went to the hospital was actually thrown out because she was under the influence of a severe drug overdose. So it actually seemed like Cinnamon had a pretty good case, but... All that changed when Cinnamon had apparently given the same confession she'd given to police to a nurse that was working at the hospital. And that confession was allowed in court, which was weird because she was still really sick and under the influence of drugs. But okay, that confession was allowed. Now, David, dude, David did not even go to Cinnamon's trial. He got a doctor's note saying that he was too sick and was unable to travel and stay at trial wow david did testify against his daughter in court just with a statement and he basically maintained that simon was severely depressed uncontrollable and capable of committing this crime patty also testified against cinnamon about the night of the murder and her behavior leading up to it remember how i said cinnamon's mom brenda didn't know if she wanted to go with what david was saying and make cinnamon out to be cuckoo or if she wanted to you know tell what she had told the police but you know what Brenda went ahead and went with what David wanted and made cinnamon sound totally out of control in her court testimony um, because she thought it would help the insanity defense so Brenda testified about like arguments her and cinnamon had the reason that Simon went and lived with her dad because she would get mad at her mom and go live with her dad and then go live back with her mom. She made Cinnamon sound like a depressed teenager with a rebellious streak. <sighs> and unfortunately, Cinnamon did not testify in her own defense. I think she should have. But Cinnamon was ultimately found guilty and sentenced to first degree murder. And on September 13th of 1985, Cinnamon was given 27 years to life and was sent to the California Youth Authority facility where she could potentially make progress for a earlier release. On average, at this time, juveniles would spend about six years in prison. So that's why they said, okay, it's 27 to life, but if you go to like counseling and really get some help for all this trauma, you can seriously get out significantly earlier as a juvenile. So after the sentencing hearing, Brenda met detectives at their car and with her, she had David's sister, Susan. Brenda immediately had buyer's remorse about making Cinnamon sound crazy. So Susan stressed to the investigators that she really thinks Patty and David were involved in the murder of Linda. And Susan said that Linda thought Patty was dangerous and wouldn't even leave baby Crystal with Patty and David because she didn't trust either one of them. According to Susan, Patty once killed Cinnamon's puppy and exhibited behaviors that Linda said was concerning. Um, I presume they could possibly mean a lot of things by concerning, but I would even think just the possibility of Patty coming on to David 
and not being nice to baby Crystal are pretty concerning behaviors. Plus, David asked Susan to describe Cinnamon as suicidal and disturbed, just like he asked Brenda. And Susan said that she didn't think Cinnamon was suicidal or disturbed, and this was just crazy. Susan, too, was disturbed by the fact that Patty slid right into Linda's place in David's life. Um, I mean, David and Patty would leave baby Crystal with David's mom and spend the whole day out together. Patty was wearing Linda's clothes and jewelry. It was just weird. Despite the case seeming so open and shut, detectives felt the truth just really hadn't come out. And after speaking to Brenda and David's sister, the detectives decided, you know what, uh, let's just go ahead in our spare time, find out everything we can about David Brown. And you guys, what they find out is so motherfucking shocking. And when things don't seem like they can get any crazier, Cinnamon drops a big bomb um she doesn't deny shooting linda twice in the chest or anything like that but she does divulge a lot more to the story buckle up guys shit just got real so david brown is a rich man at 32 he had his own data retrieval company for hard drives and electronics that crashed he was extremely good at data retrieval in fact he had developed a data retrieval system which he called the process and it could extract a significant percentage more than other companies and he was the only one in the country who could deliver these results so these skills were really sought after i mean he did a lot of jobs for the government big corporations banks who had experienced computer system crashes but David hadn't always been rich. David Brown hadn't even finished the eighth grade, actually. He was the middle child of six kids in a lower-income family, so he ends up dropping out of school, and he, does, he works a lot. He, he, he's ambitious, okay? He's tenacious. So David always wanted nice things and to be perceived as a really, like, big, important deal. He met his first wife, Brenda, when they were only 15, and at 16, they ran away together and worked odd jobs. They would live in and out of motels for like a week at a time in different cities, and they would just like do anything, clean rooms, mow lawns, pull weeds, like whatever to make money. But eventually, they decided to return home, and they asked their parents to go ahead and sign for them to be married. Brenda was pregnant, so their parents relented, and on May 13th of 1970, David and Brenda got married and moved into an apartment, and Cinnamon was born July 3rd of 1970. David was not there whenever uh, Cinnamon was born because he had a weak stomach. Wow. But he did adore Cinnamon. And because the couple was on welfare, David qualified for government assistance in continuing his education. And he got his GED and a scholarship that sent him to the Control Data Institute of Los Angeles to be a computer technician. Initially, David and Brenda had a really loving marriage, but then David became extremely controlling and possessive. He even tried to prevent Linda from learning how to drive or getting a driver's license. She actually had to go behind his back and have someone else teach her and go get her license. And when she showed it to him, he was so annoyed. So about three years, the marriage begins to dissolve. David, he was really possessive of Brenda, yet he would gawk at other women all the time and eventually he just straight up asked Brenda if he could sleep with other women mind you 
he ain't letting Brenda sleep with no other men. But Brenda said, yeah, sure, go sleep with other women. And David met a young woman named Lori. He left Brenda for Lori, but then him and Brenda got back together. Then they broke up. And then she found out that David was still seeing Lori behind her back. So she had enough and she actually left David for good. Brenda won custody of Cinnamon and David got Cinnamon on the weekends. Side note, it was not until Cinnamon's teens that she actually would go live with David. She would go live with David if her and her mom weren't getting along. And then if she didn't want to put up with David and Linda, she'd want to go live back with her mom. All right. Now, within a year of divorcing, David was hospitalized three times for suicidal depression but then he quickly married his second wife Lori on October 4th of 1974. So now David's 22 his new wife Lori is 19 and this marriage also lasted for only about four years before it fizzled out due to incompatibility and guess what David was attracted to somebody else. So when David was 22, he lived two houses down from the Bailey family. Ethel Bailey was a poor single mom living on welfare with 11 children. (sighs) She was an alcoholic, and this is where David met Ethel's daughter, Linda. Linda Bailey was only 13 at the time, and David told Ethel that he was dying from cancer and was wondering if Ethel's daughters could come help him with his housework and he would pay them. Believing that he was a sick man and probably needing the money, Ethel gladly agreed. So that is how David became a fixture in the Bailey family home. He began to groom the family. He would buy them dinner, take the kids on rides to go get ice cream. He bought the children clothes and games and toys. And like I said, this is a really poor family and David's making decent money. And I mean, compared... And he decides to spend a good chunk of his money on the Bailey family. Now, when David was 24, he began dating Linda, who was only 15 at the time. And uh, he had also announced that his cancer was cured. When Linda turned 17, Ethel agreed to let David marry her and sign the parental consent. So June 21st, 1979, Linda and David were married. David's now 27 and Linda's 17. (sighs) But it was very short-lived. After less than two months of being married, the pair separated and filed for divorce on September 18th. And dude, after they got divorced, quickly David remarried his fourth wife. Her name was Cindy and she was an old co-worker of David's. They got married on May 24th of 1980, but they were separated by Christmas and divorced of January of 1981. Dude, that whole thing with Cindy only lasted seven months. David said it didn't work out because he'd been cheating on Cindy with Linda, and Cindy wanted too much financially from him. He had an impressive job, but he was not rich. Not yet. Um, Linda, dude, Linda didn't even wait for the divorce to be finalized. Linda moved in with David by Christmas of 1980. So literally as soon as Cindy walked out, the door was open. Linda, Linda jumped in. 
So David is back with Linda. She is 17. He's 27. Life's great. He starts his own data retrieval company in 1981, and it is a huge success. He made $11,255 for the calendar year of 1981 on his taxes. But in 1982, he was a few grand short of $100,000. Just to put it in perspective, guys, by 1984, he was making $171,000. So... Linda and David get remarried in Vegas, and Linda's sister Patty comes to live with the couple in December of 91. Apparently, Patty was being molested by a sibling, so it was better if she came to live with them. Throughout this entire chain of events, Cinnamon's just passed back and forth between her mom and her dad. She didn't quite fit in at either house, it seemed like. So what was really going on, though, was David Brown is a pedophile, okay? He had groomed Linda from a young age. Remember, he met Linda when she was about, like, 13, and he did the same thing with Linda's sister, Patty. When the two sisters went to live with David, he slowly isolated them from family and friends and made it so that they were their own family union, and everyone outside of him, Linda, Patty, and Cinnamon, they just really weren't as important. David did this because he was a master manipulator. Most people thought that Patty just had an innocent little girl crush on David, but what they did not know is that David had been fondling Patty since she was 11 years old. He'd touch her breasts and tell them that it was to help make them grow. He'd have her perform oral sex on him, and when Patty was 15, David and her began engaging in sexual intercourse. It is likely that this is exactly what he did with Linda when they met, groomed her. Lindy began to grow suspicious of David and Patty, especially when Patty became a teenager and was still flirting with David. I mean, it was one thing for Patty to have a childhood crush on David. It was another to be obsessed with him as a teenager. I mean, Linda knew something was off because remember, Linda had a teenage romance with David. They started dating when Linda was 15. Life went on, though, and Linda became pregnant in 1984. At this point, Patty is 16, and Linda is so suspicious of David and Patty that Linda wants David to take Patty back home to live with Ethel, but David refused. Okay? Ugh, it's getting crazy. So David and Linda have their baby girl in 1984, and they name her Crystal. David's not interested in fully developed new moms, okay? David's into kids. David's into teenagers. David doesn't want Linda anymore. He wants Patty. So he starts plotting, how can I get rid of Linda? And David takes out several life insurance policies on Linda, totaling almost a million dollars. He could not just get one bank policy because it would be red flagged because she's a stay-at-home mom. She doesn't draw any income, really, so it was pretty suspicious. So instead, he just gets a bunch of smaller insurance policies. And now that he's acquired all of those, he needs to figure out, okay, how am I going to get rid of Linda? So he and Patty tell Cinnamon... We got to find a way to kill Linda. And Cinnamon is like, no way. You guys are crazy. But they say that Patty overheard Linda having a conversation with her twin brother, Alan. And Linda was plotting to kill David and steal his company. So David convinces Cinnamon he needs her help. And if she really loved him, like if she really loved her dad, she would kill Linda. Simple. And Cinnamon's like, what the fuck? But with time, she eventually caves and actually agrees to help Patty and David with 
the plan. David did not make it seem like Sinon was helping him and Patty out. He made it seem like Linda was going to take David away from Patty and Linda any day, any time. He just knows that Linda's trying to kill him ASAP. So, you know, Cinnamon loved her dad a lot and definitely didn't want to lose him or him have to run away to escape Linda. And David also rationalized that it made sense for Cinnamon to be the one to do it because, like, for one, David obviously doesn't have the stomach for it. And for two, Cinnamon's the youngest. She would get the lightest prison sentence. In fact, he convinced her that she probably wouldn't even go to prison at all. And she'd probably just be sentenced to, like, a short psychiatric unit and then just have to do, like, counseling. So Cinnamon agrees to be part of David's plan and actually, you know, she basically is agreeing to be his fall man. So what really happened, you guys, is March 19th, Cinnamon and Patty had been watching MTV in the living room and they fell asleep. When they got up, they went back to sleep in Patty's bedroom until David came and woke them up and said they had to go through with killing Linda that night no matter what. David told Cinnamon to follow him into the kitchen and that is when he gave her the enormous amount of pills that she swallowed in an overdose. A few days prior... David had already told Cinnamon that she needed to write a suicide note that said something to the effect of, I didn't mean to do it. And after she took the drug overdose, David told Cinnamon, okay, after you shoot Linda, you got to go get your suicide note and then you need to kind of shoot yourself in the head. You know, just, just a bullet graze to make it look like you tried to kill yourself, Cinnamon. But Cinnamon was too scared to do that. So they settled for just a drug overdose plan. Now, after taking the pills, David told Cinnamon that she needed to be sure and get the suicide note after she shoots Linda. And he gives Cinnamon his lumbar support pillow that he left in his recliner. And he told her, you're going to need this to put over the gun to cover up the noise when you shoot Linda. And then he leaves the house so that he can secure his alibi. Cinnamon goes into Patty's room where the gun was. Patty had it. She was wiping it off. And then Cinnamon goes into Linda's room. And without actually looking and aiming, she puts the pillow over the gun and she shoots at Linda. Dude, but the pillow got stuck and it jammed up the trigger. So Cinnamon ran into Patty's room and the two girls worked feverishly to get the pillow unstuck. And then the gun unexpectedly went off and shot through a tapestry into Patty's wall. And that's why there was a bullet graze in there. Once their ears quit ringing from the gunshot, they heard what sounded like an animal and it was Linda. So Cinnamon took the gun back into Linda's room and shot her again. Then Cinnamon dropped the gun, got the suicide note like her dad said, and hid in the doghouse out back. The fact that David gave Cinnamon such a large drug overdose and tried to get her to shoot herself and then have her hide somewhere that took police a really long time to find her without telling anybody where she was at and she could have died is so crazy to me. So I told you what happens in the aftermath. When Cinnamon finally spoke to the police, she takes all the blame. And then after leaving the hospital and going to juvie, she claims to have a total memory lapse. Okay. And she maintains the facade that she has suffered from amnesia and cannot remember anything because her dad 
is telling her to do that. And he's saying, just say you don't remember and I'm going to get you out of prison very soon. I'm working with lawyers to free you. David is just saying anything he needs to keep Cinnamon quiet and out of his hair. Okay. In the meantime, three weeks after Cinnamon was sentenced to prison, David bought a newer and nicer home for him, Patty, and Crystal, and they moved. David and Patty maintained that their relationship was strictly father-daughter, but the two secretly got married, and then Patty got pregnant. And David was furious and wanted Patty to get an abortion, but she refused, and they had a little girl named Heather. And David and Patty kept their marriage a secret, and the fact that Heather was David's daughter a secret, too. I mean, they kept it a secret from everybody. David's parents, who usually stayed with them, Cinnamon had no idea that Patty even lived with David still. So three years go by after Cinnamon is sentenced to 27 years to life in prison and her dad keeps her account really heavily padded, but he's visiting her and communicating with her less and less and she starts to get really upset. Around this same time, detectives who were really bothered about the Linda Brown murder case were still looking more and more into David Brown. And they were thinking, you know what? I wonder if Cinnamon knows what a luxurious life David Brown is living and that him and Patty are married and have a baby. So they actually take a bunch of pictures of David's new luxurious house and the pool in his backyard with the fountain. And they have a prison official give Cinnamon these pictures so she can see how large and lush David and Patty are living. Cinnamon was furious. See, she was under the impression she'd never even go to prison. And not only did she go to prison, but she'd been manipulated by her own father to take the fall for murdering Linda so that he could now go play house with Patty and live lavishly. A lot of it was from money that he got in an insurance settlement, even though he kept lying to Cinnamon and telling her, no, honey, I didn't get an insurance settlement from Linda. He got almost a million dollars. So, dude, Cinnamon flips on David and Patty, and she meets with detectives, and she tells them everything. In fact, she agrees to wear a wire during a couple of visits with David and Patty and got enough evidence to implicate them in the murder, but they tiptoed around it. It was very ominous when Cinnamon got them on tape. Like she tried to get super specific about who did what. And both David and Patty pretended to not be able to remember things. Like they they claimed to not remember exactly who it was that shot that shot Linda or like who who was it that gave cinnamon the prescription drugs David and Linda pretended to have total amnesia and it was insane and it did nothing but piss cinnamon off um, cinnamon could tell that they were full of shit and when cinnamon tried to confront them about the relationship and their true motive for killing Linda they would not admit it Patty and David would not admit that they'd had an intimate relationship or that David was the father of Patty's baby. They are making up insane reasons like they're telling Simon, no, you just stay quiet and we'll confess that Patty killed Linda so that you can get out of prison and Patty, Pat, Patty will come hold it down for a while. Like they're just going to flip flop. Oh, so crazy. David and Patty were just trying to manipulate Cinnamon. So 
The tapes had enough incriminating evidence to definitely prove David had manipulated both Cinnamon and Patty into facilitating the murder of Linda Bailey Brown. And they definitely had more than enough to prove motive. I mean, the relationship with Patty and the insurance money, of course, all of that would be stronger if they could get Patty to flip and testify against David also. And she did. Thursday, September 22nd, 1988, Patty and David are arrested at their home at 7 in the morning. When David was questioned, he maintained that he had practically no memory of the day Linda died, other than um, he remembered how hot and heavy their sex life was, and he actually talked about that, which is just disgusting. What a pig. And Patty, too, tried to claim memory loss. She was just stumped on what happened that day. And her and David, she insisted, had a strict father-daughter relationship. There was not a sexual or intimate relationship between them. However, on November 7th, Patty ultimately decided to confess and in turn verified Cinnamon's version of events. Patty sang like a canary, y'all, and she outlined everything, how David groomed her and how she was completely entranced by him, how David had been Patty's whole world. She met him at just seven years old and he was her knight in shining armor, the rich man who came in and saved her and took her to his nice house. And, you know, Patty finally confessed that she had been in a physical relationship with him, but she also dropped the bomb, you know, that she had been since she was a child. And it was very complicated, but she did admit to everything, her involvement in the crime, the marriage to David, the baby being his, everything. And she agreed to testify against him. And Patty was ultimately tried as a juvenile because when the crime took place, she was technically underage. On December 26, 1988, David was arraigned and pled not guilty. He was not allowed to make bail and dude, he was effing pissed and while in jail he meets a man named Richard Steinhardt and David enlists as criminal to set up a murder for hire David wants to kill two attorneys um or it was actually I think the two investigators in the case and he also wants to kill Patty and Richard was about to be released from jail and Richard was like hell yeah I'll do it the plan was for Richard to arrange the murders and arrange to break David out of prison during a dental visit killing any police officers that interfered all of this David was actually able to pay for if Richard would burn down a shed of his and maybe like something in the shed for insurance money and the insurance money would then be how Richard would pay to orchestrate everything now once it was all done and David escaped the two wanted to run away together to Australia with a stash of five million dollars that David supposedly had and Richard openly admits he was totally down for this plan he was he was 100% going to orchestrate it until he found out a jailhouse snitch named Curly overheard everything and turned the two in so now Richard's fucked and he decides okay obviously I can't go through with the plan so I'm gonna just go ahead and have to flip on David so the hitman orchestrator actually works with police to record an incriminating conversation um that he had with David and the investigators take it a step further and they hire an undercover female officer to pretend to be a civilian hit woman who is actually going to infiltrate the jail 
and kill Patty. And she goes and meets David during one of his visitations to discuss the details wearing a wire. Y'all, it's a mess. It's it's crazy. It's like a Jerry Springer, Mari Povich, Dr. Phil Oprah episode. Not only did they get David on tape planning the murder, his escape from the dentist's office, David also provided payments to Richard and the alleged hit woman the entire time, which further corroborated his intention and seriousness in soliciting these murders. Before he found out that Richard actually turned on him, David was under the impression that the murders were actually completed and the plan was working because once investigators got knowledge of what was going on, they orchestrated it so that, you know, Richard got a hold of him and was like, hey, David, it all it's done. Yeah, man, this is awesome. So not only is there overwhelming evidence against David for the murder of Linda, he now has been caught trying to murder <laughs> two law enforcement officers, Patty and any officer who gets in the way of his escape from the dental office. For David's court date, Patty goes to juvenile court May 11th, 1989. She is now 21 and she goes ahead. She pleads guilty and was sentenced to the same correctional facility Cinnamon was at. And she would be there until at least the age of 25. So that would be four years. David, he starts court beginning on April 30th of 1990. He is 37 now and he is going to trial for the murder of Linda Bailey conspiracy to commit murder and special circumstances that the murder was for financial gain cinnamon and patty both testify against him and the true events of how david manipulated them into murdering linda david maintained it was cinnamon and patty though who wanted to kill linda and that he actually rejected the idea and he did not want to kill linda he also adamantly denied any sexual relationship with patty or being the father to heather Richard Steinhardt also had to testify that he and David plotted for the murder of key witnesses and to run away together. David totally denied this, but it was on recording. He'd made payments, significant down payments. I mean, come on. So June 15th, 1990, after the jury deliberated for three hours, David is found guilty of all three charges, murder in the first, conspiracy to commit murder, and special circumstances. Eight days later, David pleads guilty to conspiracy charges for attempting to have Patty and the two officials killed as well in hopes of escaping Linda's murder charges. So he was sentenced to six years that would run concurrent to whatever sentence he was given for the murder of Linda. And he found that out September 17th. David Brown was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, plus six years concurrent and a $10,000 fine. I think they should have fined his ass way more. So Patty's daughter, Heather, went to live with Mary and Rick Bailey, whom I'm assuming are probably her brother and sister-in-law. Supposedly, Patty regained custody of Heather when she was released from prison and went to get remarried and had twin boys cinnamon was released from prison in 1992 and she went on to be remarried in 1993 she was 22 and her husband was 25 but unfortunately he committed suicide in 2006 cinnamon later remarried a law enforcement officer and is living her happily ever after crystal was raised by david's mother and she was under the impression that her mother died in a car wreck until she turned 13 she has a facebook memorial page and dedication to her mother David Brown ultimately died in prison in 2014 from natural gas causes. 
He was 61. And Richard Steinhardt changed his name to, I believe, Liberty and made a total like life altering change. I think he's very spiritual, totally different man. So anyway, this was just so heinous, so crazy, so damn disturbing. So I will be posting photos for this episode on Storytime Slayers, Facebook and Instagram. Also, I'm going to go ahead and play a short clip of what Cinnamon sounded like from um, an interview she did on the Oprah show. It made us feel guilty. Uh-huh. Um, we had went shooting before mm-hmm. up in the mountains, mm-hmm. but I've never used a handgun like that. Mm-hmm. And so did you ever think about the consequences? My dad had warned me that they're considering my age and because of the circumstances of why I was doing it, then it would be okay Mm -hmm. and accepted. They would send me to a psychiatrist and then I would be home with the family. And you believe that? Yes. Yeah. Okay, guys, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.